Hi guys, thanks for stopping by uh, the conversation I'm going to have uh, with Simon from Brave Mind. Uh, it's pretty cool. He is absolutely passionate, is a consummate professional and extremely knowledgeable around the coalface of what's happening with our, within our sport, around mental well-being and vulnerability. I think you'll find some absolute gold within this discussion today. But enough from me. Um, I hope you enjoy the show. Let's get on with it. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. Um, you're listening to episode two of the 2022 and 2022 challenge. Um, my first guest in the podcast series is on the phone with us today, Simon Trower from Brave Mind, who started the charity. Hi, Simon. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Craig. Yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad, mate. Look, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to speak um, to me. Um, and, you know, I've got a few questions. Um, should we get on with it, yeah? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, thanks for having me on. Um, it's always good to speak to, um, to to people around the around the globe and in the UK and um, within the rugby community and just see how you guys are getting on. Yeah, no, fantastic. Look. You started up Brave Mind. How did that come about? Um, <laughs> you know, I was obviously a bit of a cliche, but I kind of was just sort of looking for a purpose in life. I think I'd um, got to early 40s and um, I played rugby from the age of six to sort of my mid-20s when I had to retire early due to sort of back injury. And um, just being... Um, I missed the game a lot and, you know, just working and, you know, not being in that environment anymore and um, and my own kind of personal battles with mental health. I just thought, you know, wouldn't it be great to combine the two, you know, learn more about myself, more about my identity and the journey that I'd been on and just trying to understand it a bit more. Um, and then, yeah, combine my love of rugby and, um, you know, there was one big kind of, uh, experience that I had um, when I kind of got back into the game in 2019 um, in a coaching capacity just in my local club and uh, a young lad joined us pre-season who, um, who didn't know anybody um, but was very open about his mental health. Um, he always had a smile on his face um, and he was very positive about um, about life but you know he'd, he'd been going through a lot off the field and um, it really resonated with me. Um, because it wasn't a normal conversation to have. Um, it was something, a bit of a taboo subject. And, um, you know, as you quietly know, in the rugby community, it's a very physical sport. It's very macho. Um, you don't really want to show any signs of, um, of weakness or being vulnerable. And, you know, he was really vulnerable in, in an environment that he didn't know many people as well. And um, it really resonated with me. And I just thought, you know what, you know, it shouldn't be like, it shouldn't be like this. Um, and that was obviously just before lockdown. Um, so when, when COVID uh, came to our shores in early 2020, um, obviously sort of the world stopped and it was time for reflection and uh, it certainly made me stop and think. And, you know, I just thought, you know what, I need to look after my own well-being. I'm going to be at home a lot and... Um, this was something that uh, I wanted to, to pursue and 
just try and try and help in this space. And you know, since since then, it's um, rapidly progressed. Um, I think it just goes to show that there's a huge need for what we're trying to do as a charity. Um, and there's, there's a number of great charities in this space um, that you know try and do the similar thing. You know, we've got the same vision, the same mission. Um, yeah. We're doing it in, in, in different ways, but um, you know, there needs to be a lot more of us in this space. And you know, people like you, Craig, that are trying to raise awareness and, and educate and create environments at, at rugby clubs that it's you know it's okay to put your hand up and, and have a chat. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know. So your 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 story about the uh, the lad that had come down, you know, there, there's a number of things around that. Um, to join a rugby club is, you know, afresh is is a tough thing to do anyway, and then to be so open and honest around um, around your well being is even in this day and age, you know, would never happen twenty years ago, thirty years ago. Um, is 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 extraordinary do you think sorry go on no no i was just going to say about that you know when when i played um yeah i don't know just under 20 years ago um yeah it wasn't it wasn't talked about at all obviously it was um you know the classic kind of banter and you know drinking and you know physical games and you know not, not showing signs of weakness and things but when i launched um Great minds. You know, the first thing I had to do was show vulnerability, right? And you know, I recorded a video where I used to play, and I launched it. And um, I didn't really think about the consequences at the time. It was just a case of, yeah, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And the amount of people that contacted me um, through social media channels who I played with back then, who I hadn't spoken to for years, who said, you know. Oh yeah, I've seen your video. You know, well done, mate. Uh, it really resonates with me. I was going through a similar time, and it was just really you know, ironic that you know we're both going through, had our own uh, challenges off the pitch, but we didn't know about it. You know, we were just doing it on our own. Yeah. Um, which is just quite ironic, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And you know, it, I'm just uh, I'm, I made a note of sort of one of the. Um, one of the quotes on the website that across the UK and Ireland, you know, 2.6 million players and so that every year one in four of us will experience mental health problems. And that doesn't, in, that excludes school rugby. Um, now, yeah. those are those are frightening statistics. Um, yeah, absolutely. I guess the, the, the first one, which was taken from World Rugby back in 2018. See that you know there'd be the new statistics coming up coming up soon. But yeah, it's um, and that um, one in four was was through Mind, the um, the charity, mental health charity for Mind, and it, it is frightening when you dig down into the statistics, and even more so now. Um, you know, some really scary stats coming through what the pandemic is. You know, there, there has been some positive stories come out of the pandemic, but there's also a huge amount of um, heartache and um, sadness and, um, you know, it's caused a lot of anxiety with people. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just scary. And I guess as a, as a charity, um, we're all about, you know, 
prevention and, and you know trying to shine a positive light on things um but we're also kind of on the front line so to speak with regards to the stories we hear it was only this morning that i heard of a um a cult that, that took his own life in a club in essex um oh, uh, over, the, over the last uh, last week so your know, heart goes out to the club and the family yeah, being affected by that but this is happening a lot um and not not just in the rugby community right this is um across the country so it, it is very scary yeah and i don't think it's sort of isolated to to the uk either or england no um i think i think my son was telling me that um you know some of the challenges that kids have and you know guys have in new zealand as well um so you know rugby players are rugby players adults are adults um there are there are challenges going on all the time that um we sort of are used to but are used to not sharing that as, as well I think, you know, absolutely. I, I think you have to factor in the cultural piece as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've had discussions with certain, certain clubs in France, um, very much around um, when uh, Christophe Dominici sadly passed away. Um, there's quite a lot of media around there and um, with regards to the French culture towards mental health, you know, it's very different to it is in the UK and, uh, and also in South Africa and, yeah, New Zealand, you know, Australia, you have to consider cultural differences and challenges as well in these places. Yeah. Um, but it also, you know, that's why, you know, if we can get um, players to step forward um, to talk about their um, journeys and their challenges and the effects of mental health. Um, I also saw an interview with Trevor Leota uh, yesterday in talking touching upon suicide and um you know it's it, it will help um that's what we need to demonstrate you know, to the next generation that it is okay to talk about these things um and to create this kind of leadership role you know that rugby can play in, in embracing those matters of mental health and um you know all about kind of sharing supporting each other and ultimately healing each other yeah definitely from a so where do you think the sport is at the moment, you know, in terms of are we better? Are we better than we were sort of pre-COVID going back three or four years? Or, you know, what do you think needs to improve? With regards to mental health? Yeah. Um, where do we need to improve? I think um, it needs to, I guess, from the foundations of coaching, you know, integrating potential modules into coaching qualifications. Um, I think rugby, um, you know, we need to talk more about it. Obviously, then you look to governing bodies um, of, of how they communicate, how they support it. Um, and I, I know they do do that in certain areas, but then you know, challenge, are we doing enough? Because we're still seeing all these statistics come in. Um, as I mentioned before, it, it helps when you have people like Joe Marler um, documenting his story um, trying to be you know, being showing vulnerability and a guy like Joe tattoos the ultimate stereotypical you know front row very bullshit on the pitch um, 
and um, him being very open and honest off the field with his challenges. Yeah, definitely. So I think we always need to strive to be better in this space, but it comes back to you know talking about this conversation at a younger age and getting rugby clubs um, to integrate some form of mental health program uh, or even just starting the conversation within the club environment. You know, how, how can you bring it to life within clubs that mental well-being and physical well-being is high on the agenda within a rugby club? So, you know, um, whether it's, you know, coffee mornings on a Sunday with millions of juniors or uh, a match day, you know, that you're raising money for, for people to be trained in, in mental health, first aid and mental health training and, um, it's just how do you bring that to life um, that sits in line with the core values of, of rugby, but also the core values of, of your rugby club. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I think that's what we need to shift towards it. I think with regards to what the pandemic has done, I think even in the, in my opinion, in the corporate world, you know, mental well-being has now become quite high up in the agenda. I think companies have had to look at staff and, and say, right, we need to look after people. How can we help people at home? How can we engage with them? How can we keep them connected? And I think that needs to drip feed out into the communities and into sporting clubs as well. You know, you look at, um, for an example, you know, over COVID, the amount of rugby clubs that probably did like online quizzes or set up WhatsApp groups and um, just trying to stay connected on like a third Tuesday and a Thursday, you know, let's do something online or a training training session online that you can do in your garden and you know there was a lot of people came together at that point but it can only deliver so much right that the actual face-to-face going to your rugby club playing a match that experience of after in the changing rooms into the clubhouse things that you that you know there's huge parts of people's lives um, whether you're a player or you're a coach and suddenly when that's taken away um it's a real struggle. It's a real struggle. So I think, sorry, waffling on, but to answer your original question, I think we've got to work harder at how we can integrate mental well-being in the rugby community, full stop, um, and how we can educate this next generation. And you know, the amount of youngsters that are playing the game across the game. No, we're not just um, focusing on males here. You know, yeah, uh, the, the whole rugby community. Uh, um, again, it's quite an ironic, you know, rugby is such an inclusive sport and when something tragic happens, the, the rugby community comes together and is supportive. Um, but, you know, on the mental health side, we just, we, we need to do that as well, right? We need to know that if a player is struggling or a club member or physio or whatever it may be, that environment is a safe space, safe space for them to come together and help. Yeah, definitely. Um, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. So tell me, when um, in terms of how BraveMind works, mm-hmm. um, can you just touch on the kind of work that you do out in the community then? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, with regards to rugby clubs, um, so the vision that kind of always had was, you know, creating a team of individuals that represent different areas of a rugby club that come together. So from age groups through to women's girls section vets seniors and i appreciate that all clubs are different right some clubs will only field two sides at a a weekend if they can if they're lucky 
but it's just getting a representative from each area of the club. Um, we basically then onboard them into the program. So we talk about you know, what we are, who we are as a charity, what we're trying to do, what our vision is, what our mission is. Um, the first sort of step in this is, a, is what we call a discovery, which is an educational piece around like mental first aid training. So we have trainers that come in and will train that group of people in that club into mental first aid. From there, we then um, take them into um, what we call train the trainer modules. So our sports psychology team um, will demonstrate how they could potentially run sessions within the club. So we deliver five sort of core mental health and psychology modules. Um, one module being the foundations of mental health, another one being you know, dealing with stress and pressure. One is around social support. Um, and we basically demonstrate on saying, right, if you were to run a session on a Thursday night after training around mental health, this is what it could look like. And here's the material to be able to do it. Um, and we then just you know, giving them the empowerment to take this on. Um, we work with them on, right, how do we bring this to life in your club? So from an overriding strategic point of view, um, to your club, what does it mean? How can we bring this to life? Is it posters? Is it running sessions? Is it are you guys buddying up as a team? Um, you know, because this shouldn't just fall on one shoulders, right? One one, one person. Um, these these issues and challenges that rugby clubs and society are facing, really serious topics, right? And we need to come together as a collective to help each other um, because we're getting instances where whether it's uh, under 15s girls that you know is going through an eating disorder at the moment you know really difficult time with the parents you know they should be able to come and start to talk to people about it and then for them to signpost to the appropriate help yeah um so that's the ultimate vision is creating these teams within rugby clubs that have you know mental health first aid doesn't make your mental health expert right you know it, it's exactly the same as physical first aid you wait for a specialist to arrive a paramedic to arrive but what it does give you is the confidence to be able to have those conversations to spot the signs um and, and give you a basic understanding of the topic which is so so important everyone has mental health um poor mental health good mental health if we can educate everybody um then there's that understanding um, that, that is there for them to help if that makes sense so we're doing in rugby clubs that's kind of where we're at, at the moment it's, it has since developed into local schools so running those um, modules with you know small group groups of uh, students in schools so we're still using rugby and sport as that vehicle to engage with those topics but we're actually you know the feedback that we've had from schools is actually teachers um you know, love that trainer-trainer uh, approach is actually how can we empower the schools with their teachers to potentially become mental health first aiders, to give those, give them the tools to be able to integrate this into everyday school life. How can you, you know, if you're doing a PE session or a rugby session or whatever, netball or, you know, how can you integrate maybe a 10-minute chunk at the end where we're just talking about, okay, dealing with stress, how could you apply that then to exams? You know, with kids, you know, it's hugely stressful for kids at the moment. Anxieties with, with exams, going back to school, online learning. You know, and if again we can start, uh, uh, you know, creating.
creating role models within these schools um as sort of ambassadors so to speak you know at these critical ages of you know 14 15 16 then those younger kids that are coming through you know, um, year seven so 11 years old 12 years old they're looking up to these kids saying oh okay so it's okay to talk about this it's okay to talk about that um you know we must do this with a positive lens and you know try and do it with a smile on our face man i think that's really powerful to be fair um you know and that's that's exactly the kind of behavior that you want is you know like you said the younger ones look up they idolize the old ones you know mm. and if the older ones are having these conversations in uh, it's cool you know i can do that um absolutely and if you can you know the ambassadors that we have as well as part of the charity that you know hugely grateful for their time and you know obviously time is very precious for them with regards to you know um, contracts and playing and training etc it's you know when they can spare time to come into these schools and, and you know we did some uh online q a's with, with jack willis and tom willis and it was when jack was you know be going through his injuries um and for them to be really open and honest about their journeys um, and the challenges that they go through is, is a bit of an eye-opener to go, actually, these, these people are more than just rugby players. Yeah. Yes, yes, you see them playing at Twickenham or in the Premiership, etc., but they do have other stuff to deal with off, off the pitch, whether it's contracts, injuries, rehab, selection. Um, you know, it's their livelihood at the end of the day. Um, and it's quite, a, you know, it, it, well, it is an inspiring uh moment to see these these youngsters sort of listen um to these people because they are role models um and they do want to be the next jack willis or the next alice genge or whatever you know but it's to demonstrate that it's you know it's hard work and um it, you know can be bumpy sometimes so what what is that the buzzword resilience how can we build that resilience because that that doesn't happen overnight no uh, you're yeah. you're exactly right and I think a lot of people forget that, um, you know, when a when a player, when a contracted player who's playing top, well, top flight rugby or, you know, semi-professional is injured, they're not seen on the pitch, you know, because they can't be there, but they still have to go to rehab. They still get up, you know, early doors, get into the gym to do their rehab or, you know, and, and there's a lot of downtime where they're on their own. Um, which which can be really really challenging. Um, yeah, so. I think also the that identity piece as well. And you know, I keep banging on about this at the moment. I think I guess it's from my own experience, but also talking to sort of ex players and that you know have struggled since leaving the game, uh, especially the, the professional game, is that you know they 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 come out of it and you know one minute they're you know playing at the international level or in big stadiums or big games and then and they're kind of they're forgotten about and they come out of it not really knowing who they are um so it's that kind of identity piece as in you know you're more than more than just a rugby player uh, and i think you know listening to to people like jack and tom where it's a case of that education that you know um what am i doing beyond rugby you know, I think players need to think about that more more so than ever. You know, because not everyone is going to go into punditry or journalism, no, exactly. whatever it may be. 
you know there's um your, your career can can quickly stop and change and um i think there's, there's probably a lot of players that have come out of uh you know top flight rugby and has struggled with with the mental side of things um because they've been at such a high and then they're kind of the, the forgotten do you know if there's much support out them there for them or is that the general consensus is that I'm not entirely sure. I know the RPA um, do a certain amount, um, but you know we've had a, a couple of players come to us that have played, you know, top flight that are really, you know, struggling now um, with identity players that yeah. absolutely despise the game now, uh, which sounds a bit odd, but you know, rugby has been their life, and for whatever reason they've lost the contract or they've had to retire early due to injury and they, they resent they resent the game now. Um, and they're, they're trying to find, I guess, trying to find the answers, you know, yeah. trying to find, again, that purpose, that identity of who they are now, because a lot of them have probably played uh, rugby to a very high standard from schoolboy um, to, to mid-20s, late-20s, and then, you know, they've come out of it um, not really knowing what to do um uh, and so they're at a bit of a crossroads and i think they do need support you know they do need someone to talk to someone to help them recalibrate their lives so to speak and where do they go now because you know you can coach you can you do those kind of things but not everybody wants to do that no no coaching's not for the faint-hearted it's uh you know sometimes <laughs> it's even more, more troublesome than playing playing can be quite easy to be to be honest yeah um, you just got to rock up and play right? yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and, and listen yeah there's the coaching is um well sometimes uh, it's just play listening goes <laughs> can go straight, yeah. <laughs> can go straight out the window sometimes uh, yeah, i think coaching i'm not an expert in coaching whatsoever but in my experience a lot of it it's obviously sort of man management player management you know trying to get the best out of, out of your players everyone's different um uh, and you know, listening and you know, agreeing to what your method is as a coach, how you want to play, and um, a lot of it is enjoyment, right? It's, it's you know, let's go out there and enjoy ourselves and and play the game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because I was going to ask you, um, <laughs> you know, can you share any good news stories from the work that you've done? But sort of listening to some of the work that you've done in schools, I, you know went straight over the top of my head, that would be one of the first places to think about going in and empowering young young children to be the next ambassadors and, you know, having some of your idols come into schools at a young age is exactly uh, the, the way to go. In terms of sort of, I don't know, maybe teenagers or university students, have you got any sort of good news stories that you can share uh, with the listeners? I think with regards to university, I can talk about a recent, um, recent kind of case studies, so to speak. So, um, I was invited down to uh, University of West of England, so in Bristol, um, to talk to the, the, the lads down there. Um, and it was more of a case of, you know, they're just interested in my story and my journey and a little bit more about the charity. And there's a, there's a good sort of turnout uh, after training, uh, went through it all. And it was amazing, really inspiring for me to see 
the amount of lads who were aged sort of 18 to 21 that were really engaged with the topic, um, just had a Q&A session. You know, I didn't get a huge amount of questions, but at least I got, you know, two or three questions. Yeah. Um, the lads were, lads were showing vulnerability in that space. Um, you know, after that, had a few, you know, um, private messages about, you know, how can they, and one of them being the first team captain, um, you know, how can we integrate this into our squad? How can we bring this to life in university life? We know that there are a few lads here that are struggling with either being away from home or, you know, having lectures and rooms and you know, not, not experiencing that full university way of life, so to speak. And, you know, that, that desire to want to do something and, you know, action is, is essential. Right, Craig, it's, it, it has to be, you can talk about it. You can do loads of podcasts. You can do loads and loads of different things and do awareness. But the crux of it is we need to do stuff. We need to get into schools. We need to get into clubs. We need to, you know, yeah, deliver. Yeah, definitely <laughs> it, get, get, take it's action. That's what, what I'm getting at. And I think I was really encouraged that, you know, there was people, those, those lads that want to do something. Yeah, definitely. You know, they want to integrate what we're trying to do as a charity down there within their university team. Um, and yes, they're going to, you know, I'm sure they're going to neck points and they're going to do that, they're going to do this, but creating an environment where they're together and supportive and wanting to be there for each other and, and helping, you know, is, is a great shift. And, you know, we've since been, um, been asked to go down and do a session with the girls team. Um, and, you know, they've, they have different challenges to the guys, you know, you, you know, women are a lot more open about. Uh, their emotions, they have uh, a lot easier to talk about. Guys are notoriously bad about talking, to, talking about their emotions. Um, so they have different challenges, different um, different things that they want to talk to us about. Um, we're down at Sussex University this Friday, again, talking to the rugby team down there. Uh, we've been at Surrey University. Um, so, you know, in that space, it's so encouraging to hear that you know, they want to talk about things. They want to try and shift culture within their environment at the university, um, which is, you know, caring about other students um, and using that rugby community to do that. And it's, you know, it's being that in schools at a younger age, you know, year 10, um, so what's it, 14, 15 years old. Again, um, and boys, you know, wanting to talk about things you know, whether it's, um, we had one one occasion where a lad you know, was very open about um, the amount that he just had on in life. You know, his parents were divorced. Um, he was split living with his mum, split living with his dad. He wanted to play rugby to the highest of his ability. He also had exams on and he just wanted to talk to somebody because it was just too much. Yeah. You know, he had, he had so many things going on in his life for such a young man. Um, and that pressure of not failing, of needing to um, perform um, in school, needing to perform on a rugby pitch. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot for a young person to have on their shoulders. So to be able to talk to somebody um, about, okay, well, okay, how are we going to work through this? Um, and, you know, the classic analogy within this space is the, the stress container. You know, the more 
the more stresses you put into this container is going to overflow. So, you know, how can we keep your stress containers down? You know, and there's loads of different facets to, to that, it, you know, money, relationships, school life, work, injuries, you know, illness, all of these things can, can fill up, right? And it's um, just trying to keep those levels down that is manageable for people. And, you know, if you can visually show them and, you know, that's another real key thing is, you know, doing these sessions, but not making them really boring. I think, you know, they don't want people to come in and go, right, here's 50 PowerPoint slides and let's talk about mental health for an hour. It's actually trying to make it as, as interactive as possible and engaging as possible. Um, and just starting that conversation, because as soon as one person shows a little bit of vulnerability, it quickly goes on to the next person, next person, next person. You know, we we did a really good exercise with um, a young group of, of lads, you know, in a sports hall because we kind of wanted to take them out of that uh, classroom environment. And it's a case of right, just say something nice about the lad sitting next to you. And you know, you can imagine if you did that on a training night with with twenty five lads, it's all a bit like what? What are you talking about? Kind of thing. Um, and it started off with, in that rugby sense. So it'd be, oh, he always gets over the game line. You know, okay, next person. Oh, yeah, he's, you know, really good in defence. Uh, next person, oh, he's really got a really good boot on Next person. Then it started to be a bit more emotive with, oh, he always makes me laugh when I'm feeling a bit chip. Yeah. Um, and so it was really interesting to see that it starts to go away from that and more about relationships and emotive as in, you know, if I'm feeling a bit rubbish and changing where he always makes me laugh, et cetera, et cetera. And then they, they started to see what we were trying to do. Yeah. Um, so it can be just really powerful, you know, that, that starts on the conversation. And I think the, um, the key message there is taking action. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can, you can talk about something to you blue in the face, but you know, we need to, uh, Action is essential, um, and that's why funding. That's why you know what you're doing for us and for um, for Alex. Problem, you know, is is so valuable because that money will be spent on training, going into um, schools, going into rugby clubs um, to make a difference. You know, and that's what we're that's what we have to do. Yeah, yeah, and look, I I think, um, and I know, uh, well. You've probably been um, told this before, but the work that you're doing is fantastic, and you know, hence the reason why I decided to want to support you guys, uh, just to keep that momentum building and and raising awareness out there. And if I've got to, you know, run a walk a few k's uh, to do that, um, then hey, no skin off my nose, and like you know. We need people to talk about it. We also need people to sort of dig deep and, um, you know, donate because um, we can help make a real difference, you know, for somebody who's struggling out there. Uh, absolutely. Funding, you know, funding is critical for any any charitable organisation. Um, with, without that structure, without that kind of stream, constant stream of, um, of funding, um, you know, we're pretty pretty redundant. You know, we've we've been doing well. Um, you know, since we've you know we've got our charity status in in March 2021. So we look back on uh, what we've achieved in, in that period of time. Um, we're, we're pretty 
small small amounts of cash you know it's great it's the potential and we've got some really exciting plans in the pipeline um you know that we need to get support from um whether it's larger corporate companies um uh, doing fundraisers you know yeah. festivals youth festivals um because i think you know that that youth element you know in supporting parents especially and you know going back to that you know horrible news i had this morning you know a, a cult you know a young lad taking his own life is um you know we, we have to prevent that we have to stop it suicide is preventable yeah definitely you know? so we've just got to stop all of this from happening and that is where those funds will go is to to, to try and do that that's great. Thank you for that. Where, so if somebody wanted to reach out to yourselves, how do they get hold of you, Simon? So, um, right, in the first instance, our website, which is bravemind.co.uk, where we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. Um, obviously, email address from the website, which is connect at bravemind.co.uk. Um, it's, it's manned pretty much all the time. Um, we're here to talk we're here to help clubs schools um you know we signposts we can refer to experts um so you know we're available and you know happy to help as much as we can that's great look i think um i think that's been a, a brilliant uh, chat today um i'll turn my son off <laughs> he's trying to call um I would just like to say thank you very much for spending the time to speak to me today. Um, it's been really insightful. And I think whoever's listening, whoever's going to be listening into this podcast will get a hell of a lot out of what we've spoken about today. Um, so on behalf of at 22 challenge and 22, um, thank you for coming on and is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners before we wrap up? Well, well, firstly, just a huge thanks, Craig, for you know giving giving us the opportunity to talk and and also for the challenge that you're doing for us is um, hugely appreciated. Um, and you know, more than happy to, to to visit your club and and talk to any of your players. You know, we're here, um, but just a huge thanks. And I think it's um, hopefully what what I've done and. Uh, other people have done, you know, looking on the website and the stories out there is that, you know, in, in the classic, it's okay not to be okay. You know, exactly. please reach out, yeah. look at the videos, listen um, for whatever situation that you're in at the moment. It may feel the darkest place and there's no way out, but believe me, there is, there is a way out. And, um, you know, we're here to, to help you get out of it. Yeah, fantastic. You're Bob on, actually. So if um, if anybody's listening today and um, knows of somebody who would uh, benefit from listening to the session, please reach out to them. Uh, we're here to help. So I'll, um, I'll leave it there, Simon. Thank you very much. Thanks, Craig. No, it's been a pleasure. I think you'll agree that the chat I had with Simon was excellent. I made a few notes, a few takeaways. The first one, let's better equip the young ones to talk around vulnerability. 
The second one is let's make talking around vulnerability the norm with both adults and children. Third one, everyone has mental health, how we manage that is vital. And the fourth one is the most important. Let's not end up having those conversations with friends after someone's passed or family members after someone's passed saying, I didn't know, I could have reached out to him, I could have asked the question, I could have been there, I could have been there to support him. Let's start those conversations now, people. Yeah, Let's be part of the solution. And I think that's where I'll leave it tonight. Thanks for listening in.